What are we up to? Dang. What a week. What a week. Chapter (laughs) four. How about you introduce us today? (laughs) Sure. Give it my best shot. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> this is sketchy. <laughs> All right. Welcome, guys, to another episode of the Bulgarian and Beyond podcast. Uh, my name is Alicia, and um, I'm here with Sandra. Hello, everybody. Alicia is introducing us because I'm not functioning on all cylinders just right this second keep going yeah yeah so we're on chapter four this week and it was you know it was a nice little chapter i wouldn't say it was very eventful but we'll get into all of that first though we want to talk about a little bit about our past week and what we've been going on with us so you go okay i'll go first My last week has been a little bit of a up and down. Like I've had some super highs where I felt like just everything is amazing. And then like yesterday I went to a crash and just like a headache and like, no, my life sucks type thing. Um, But it's because I have been like making myself go grow beyond what's comfortable for me I've been putting myself out getting on calls with people to talk about the stuff I'm doing and getting feedback from them as well as offering them to join my program if it's the right time for them that stuff is not easy for me it's like I'd rather just stay in my little hole and write my own stories but I have this within me this bigger calling that I really need to you know acknowledge and And to do that, I have to reach out to people. So it's kind of just been this up and down um, with dealing with that. But it's it's been amazing because I have connected with some awesome people. And uh, was it Wednesday? So Monday, I actually had this amazing connection that was just intended as like a conversation. And she basically kind of sold herself into my program, which was, wow. That's true. By the end of that, I was just in awe of, wow, that's amazing. And um, but the other thing is I did Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I was sick with some kind of like flu thing. I don't know. My stomach was fine, but I felt achy. I didn't have any energy. So I missed out on the fall festival with my family at, at the church near us. And then I missed out on a Girl Scout event with my daughter at the birch aquarium here on sunday so thankfully like my mom could take over and and take them and and their their dad did as well for um the festival but i was bummed out because i was looking forward to both of those things and i i just couldn't do it so it was like you know a spicy kind of good and bad spicy in both ways Mm -hmm. Uh, and a little bitter because i was i was sick and i was drinking a lot of my own (laughs) you know concoctions (laughs) (laughs) and speaking of up and down your volume's going up and down so I don't know if it's my headphones or if it's just speaker 
your microphone, but I'll sorry guys if I have to if we're doing up and down during the edits, I'll do my best to even it out. But um, just so you know, sweetie. Yeah, thanks. I'll keep an eye on it. Mm. Uh, make sure it's okay. Are you feeling better now? Yeah, I've been good as of Monday. Okay. I've been myself again. So. Oh, I'm sorry you missed all this stuff with the kids. It's fun. Well, yeah. not fun that you missed it, but, you know. Yeah, the fun stuff, yeah. Okay, so my week has been salty and bitter. And I know that last week was bitter too. I don't mean to moan, but <laughs> had a really fucking sucky week. I had a great weekend. That's the salty part. So salty sweet, salty sweet. Isn't that a great flavor? Salty sweet. That's what my weekend was like. Went away with friends, went to a concert, danced, got all sweaty. Some weird dude looked down my cleavage. I think he thought my girlfriend was a boy. Then he asked me if I was German. I don't know why I look German. Maybe my boobs look German. I don't know. Anyway, so that was my weekend. And then when I got back Monday from Monday, like it's, it's Wednesday now, so it's really only half a week, but I've had a couple of the bitterest days that I've had for a long time even more, more bitter than last week. So I may have to invent a new category in this section of the podcast that's more bitter than bitter. <laughs> Acrid, maybe. Acrid could be a thing. But I've had a really yeah. horrible week and I'm not going to go into it because it's far, far, far too horrible. But I dealt with gaslighting for two decades. I know what it looks like, I know what it smells like, I know what it feels like. But now I'm learning how to be strong in myself and centered and grounded and move through it without holding on to it. So thankfully I have a couple of very, very supportive loved ones who remind me that other people's shit is not my problem. And I don't need to try and fix it. And I don't need to take responsibility for it. Because as much as I know that in my head, well, you know, I've got buttons and patterns and they keep triggering. And I'm just not quite released of them yet. I'm not quite free of all of my past shit. <sighs> None of us ever really are. It's a work in progress. So you know. that's been my potion this week. What is gaslighting? Because I don't know what it is. Okay, so say for example, you do a thing and then later on someone says, no, no, you didn't do that. You made a mistake. No, no, that's not true. No, no. And they try to convince you that the thing that happened is not the thing that happened and you are mistaken about the thing that happened. Okay, got it. Basically, that's what it is. I hadn't heard that term before, but yeah, that's, I definitely relate to that. And it's <laughs> fucked. Yeah, no fun so to go you. through that. Well, hopefully this week will be yes. not good. Not so I will continue to do all of my spiritual stuff and just, you know, maybe put my toes in the dirt a few extra times this week. 
Yeah. And we can see what your prophecy is at the end of this episode. Oh, too. Yeah. Wow. That's going to be interesting. Okay, cool. All right. All right. Go, go, go. Gadgets. Go into chapter four this week. Um, basically a quick summary of this chapter. I think it was, it was one of those that was like put in there. There are some little like Easter eggs and stuff, but it was really just generally like a watching Gary and grow up kind of chapter and feeling him, um, you know, move from a boy kind of into the, I would assume it doesn't say, but I would assume he's like teenage years now. Yeah. He sort of uh, takes him to 14. Yeah. And so it starts off with just kind of a summary of him growing up and then we see him on the raft and it collapses on him he starts to drown and as he's drowning he sees again that shadowless black rider right and um oh what is his name that comes and saves him um, Dernick, yeah and you know, it, obviously he's gone by the time Dernick comes and pulls him out. And as a result of this incident, Aunt Pole basically has him tied down to the scullery. She doesn't want him out and about risking anything anymore. Mm. And then it kind of takes us into this, and I'm going to mispronounce this probably, but Aristide. It's like the, the Christmas of this world as I visualize it. Um, and while this is going on, like the big dinner they're having, um, this, I think it's the same Morgul uh, from the previous chapter comes to the town. And Faldor's, no. But they keep going, we'll talk about it after you finish. Yeah, Faldor tries to turn him away, but Faldor's daughter's there and she's really wrapped up in money, it seems, and she's trying to argue for no, let him stay. Eventually let them stay and then obviously some things happen during the dinner with conversations with this Morgul and Murgo. Um, oh I'm sorry, Murgo. Thank okay. you. Okay, you're stuck in you're stuck in Lord of the Rings again. I am. <laughs> it's a default for me. That's just where I live. Um so uh yeah, and then we just see the you know, the dinner and the conversations and then by the end of the chapter, Garion is like basically bribing Zubret to let her let him kiss her by getting her treats and stuff and he gets caught and again he's just kind of told you know you're basically grounded (laughs) (laughs) and that's the end of the chapter so you can talk more in depth about all of it though yep 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 yeah so um yeah, so I like I really like this chapter. It's a it's a it's a longer chapter. Um and it kind of covers covers several years kind of in the in the in the flow of it. So it takes him from where we were and he was like nine or ten right through to being fourteen. And it, you know, it just it's it's kind of it's got that that you know, that beautiful touch of nostalgia that has been there before where it kind of it's all kind of you know, you can see the glow of childhood and it's, you know, the season's turning and it's all very lovely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, and the, the friends, you know, mature and Zubret obviously gets boobs going on and sparkles in her eyes and dimples in her cheek and the boys think that she's all very wonderful and she loves it. 
Mm-hmm. She loves it when they get all jealous and icky around her and start squabbling. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun to read. Uh, yeah. Just the, I love when they have like the simplicities of, you know, just anybody's life growing up. You can yeah. relate to in between all of this magic and darkness. And, yeah. You know, it's, it makes it, that's what makes it relatable. Yeah, and it's so nice. Like, and it's lovely the um, see so yeah, the midwinter festival. As you say, it's their Christmas or their midwinter feast. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the Mergo, that it's not the same Mergo. It's a different Mergo that turns up at the gate right on the eve of like the like, Aristide Eve, asking about buying hams. But you know, do we really believe that? <laughs> no, not at all. And I think Saldor is obviously completely aware that that's not why he's really there and that's why he's Do you think? I don't get that impression. Like, I've never... I've always gotten the impression that Faldor is, like, the most even-handed man, the the fairest kind of man that could possibly exist. Everyone gets the same treatment. Everyone gets a fair share. And he doesn't kind of... I never get any sense of suspicion from him about anybody like it just feels like a beautifully naive kind of father figure for the entire country or the you know the, the everyone that comes through his gate yeah I guess well I guess that's true like I, I think I was maybe mixing him up a bit with the storyteller man the old man oh, I yeah. thinking that Faldor had had conversations with that Paul but he hasn't actually about all the secret conversations no. that go on. It's the beard. So, he has a beard too. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the, the interaction is funny though, because I mean, they make this big to do, I guess, about his daughter and her. Isn't husband. she horrible? Oh, she's yeah. so snotty and snobby and ugh. Yeah, she's really wrapped up in like, no, he's going to give you gold. You have to let him in. It doesn't yeah. matter about tradition. Yeah. And she's just so quick to dismiss, you know. I love that. I love the um the way that they described Elbrick, El- El- her husband, and Anelda, you know, the daughter. I love how they de- how the author describes everyone as well. Nobody actually liked them. Their coming was always greeted with a certain sense of enthusiasm. Because it marked the start of the festivities. Yeah. So I, I really, I like that. <laughs> yeah, I caught on to that too. Um, and it, does, it just gives you, in such a short way, just gives you a really good idea of how these people are viewed mm. by everybody else. And mm. the other thing, um, before all, even all this, we get into all the festival stuff, I wanted to bring up the that incident with the raft. Oh, yeah, okay. And not just i think it's no it's right after the raft incident because you know he sees this this shadowless figure again and yeah and that is really marked in this chapter it's like he notices like he comes up he he goes under the water gary and gary and falls off the the raft comes apart he falls under the water and he comes up for a breath and he he really kind of fixes on the dark figure mm-hmm. and it's really um, like pushed at you at the reader that even though they were in the full sun, there was no shadow. Right. And then it goes yeah. back down under. 
Exactly. Yeah. And that, that intrigued me. And also the description, I just have to add this, the description that he, the author did of what the ground is like under the water. Oh, isn't that brilliant? Oh, Couldn't God. you like, just feel it like, between your toes? I started like, ooh. Like, no, <laughs> I never want to feel that. I'm like, I don't know if he had shoes on or not. I guess he didn't if he felt it. But I would never want to feel that on my bare feet. Um, so that was really good description right there. Hello, darling listeners. This is Sandra interrupting your listening pleasure because it's about to get a little bit less pleasurable and I have a sneaking suspicion it might be to the end of the episode. But as I'm editing this and recording this as I'm editing, I'm not sure yet. So in later episodes, um, we tightened up our audio production and got new microphones and that sort of stuff. So it gets better. But I think for the rest of this episode, the fans will stick with us um, and the rest will maybe skip over. So feel free, but do. Um, I hope you stick around. It's not that dreadful, but there's a bit of crackling and microphone static going on. I'll try and edit it out as best I can and smooth the way, but there's only so much I can do. Um, just know that our subsequent episodes do improve in audio quality, so I hope you stick around to hear them. What I wanted to talk about was, I think it's shortly after that event with the raft, and he, uh, he, or it's Zubret who notices that mark on his hand and he like suddenly seems to just all of a sudden see it there too. And he approaches Aunt Paul about it. Yeah, that night. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, when they're, they're, they're all, the, the kids are sitting in the barn out of the way, staying away from the adults who are going to give them chores, you know, like adults do when they notice teenagers, you know, doing their own thing. And so it's described as a, a round mark that takes up his whole palm. And I kind of see it in my head like a shiny burn, like a silvery coloured burn rather than a red coloured burn. That's how, I, that's how this description Yeah. Is. Yeah, that's how I envisioned it as well. Um, and it takes us to you know, during the conversation with Aunt Paul while he's asking her about it. Mm -hmm. Like that night when they're just getting, she's brushing her hair. Mm -hmm. and, and he asks about it. And because and Zubret says, oh, I know Jerome. Jerome says, oh, maybe it's a birthmark. Right. Gary said, oh, it's always been there. And it's just interesting that no one's ever said anything about it before. That's kind of like, oh, really? I know. I'm not, oh. right. Like, that's how I was wondering, did it just appear? But he says he's, it's been there his whole life. So and it could be like, I don't know. I mean, it could just be a, a, like a not quite a well thought out plot point, but it could also be like, I'm going to choose to believe that it was done on purpose and perhaps it's like a mark of, you know, like it's some sort of threshold like puberty or, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, Zubret's, you know, becoming more a woman and the other boys are growing up and becoming more manlike and there's this, this mark on his hand that he's suddenly more aware of, so maybe he's more aware of himself. So, you know, maybe there's, 
some underlying symbolism there that's you know really subtle yeah there's like now like i'm hearing a little bit of static on your end <laughs> like it it's kind of going over your talking oh is it still so yeah, I'm not sure. It sounds like something's brushing against the microphone, wherever it is. Okay, is it happening now? If I talk mm -hmm. now, is it, is it happening? No. No. Okay, I'm going to stop touching everything on my desk. <laughs> Hands up. Hands up. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, Tell me if it happens again. Yeah, I'll let you know. So yeah, so 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 it could be like the marking, you know, some sort of symbolic passing into somewhere where he's more aware of himself. Maybe that's something. Yeah, I think that could be it for sure. And then when he's talking about pole, that that like in inner voice or whatever it is that the dry like, voice. I just it's the, the, dry, yeah. the dry voice that keeps trying to kill all of his fun. Right. Kind of, isn't it that 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 pushes him to touch her hair, or am I remembering that wrong? Oh, and he touches no, he that. Suddenly, in spot, like he he looks at the mark, and then he just suddenly has a like a feeling, and he puts the mark on her hair, like where she has the white streak in her hair. Right. And he touches it. And tell yeah. me how, how like because I love that part. So you tell me how that was for you. It was really interesting for me. Um, curious, like what, like, I don't know, is it something he's doing now that he's able to open this window and see or feel or experience? And what is, like, what is it? Is it like something she's remembering and he's feeling it kind of like mm. in, Harry, in Harry Potter when Snape's trying to teach him occlumency and like Snape oh, gets and into his memories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very, very reminiscent of that. The way that it's written, like he touches her and it's almost like putting his hand into her memory and this window opens in his mind showing him this long line of faces, like with, from, from him and then a line of faces and the last face is um, the storyteller, Mr. Wolf's face. But he's not a foolish old man anymore. He's this kind of powerful, um, determined figure. Right. So now it's like, well, okay, that must be in the future because in Garion's mind, he doesn't see him that way yet. Or the last time he saw him. Yeah. But he didn't see him that way. Her memories. This is what she's remembering. Oh right. So she. It's like he's watching him grow through her eyes. Oh no! I think it's different faces because it says it's different faces. Some of them foolish. Some of them regal. Some of mm -hmm. them completely ordinary. And it starts with him, and it shows all these different faces, and it ends with Mister Wolf. That's like this series, of, and it's this. this sense of time, this immense sense of passing time to kind of get this sense that it's happened over this really, really long time. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. 
And so, so some sort of, I mean, I've got some sort of connection between the mark on his hand and the mark on her hair. So that's the thing. Right. Is what, what is it? Like, what's special about that lock of her hair? <laughs> and is there something magical to it? And why do you when remember, they connect? Do you remember the um, pro, prologue? Yeah, as much as I can absorb from that, that I that I could, but I don't remember anything about hair. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> go and read the prologue if you're really curious. I'm not going to do any giveaways or spoilers. I'll, I'll read it. Yeah, I'll go read it. There's a hint. There's a hint. There's a hint. Yeah. Hello, darling listener. It's Sandra again. I thought I'd pop back in and tell you that this freaking static is driving me nuts and editing it is, well, it lives up to the little quote that you're about to hear after I do some knob twiddling in the next little section of our conversation. I just twiddled the knob. Yeah, I think that's what it was. It wasn't in, it was like loose somehow maybe. Gonna be, <laughs> this is gonna be a motherfucker to edit. edit. <laughs> oh, welcome, listener. Yeah. <laughs> when we'll have more adventures in static for you. Sorry. Oh, it's okay. We'll get it. Uh, mine's still doing okay. Is it going in and out a lot no, still? No, yours is evened out. Beautiful. Okay. Okay. <laughs> good. <laughs> this is such a great reflection of my week, truly. <laughs> really. Oh. <laughs> no right, so it's, it's good now though so cool the window in Garion's mind and so and Aunt Paul she didn't get excited or upset or anything she just like kind of moved away like it was just like a not a big mm-hmm. deal she just said no don't do that you're not ready for that yet yeah yeah she didn't react too much to it just really dismissed it and then um and then I think we just get right into like the midwinter celebration they have right yeah yeah so they go into the to the feast and did you know that uh, a side of beef when it's cooked and being served is called a baron of beef <laughs> no that's pretty cool i learned yeah. that i wonder if that's real i'm gonna have to google it someone google <laughs> it and let us know hashtag um baron of beef let us know <laughs> yeah i've never heard of it so, and then when they're at the um, the midwinter feast, they have a pageant for the gods because in Centauria yeah. they honour all the gods. They don't have a particular god like some of the peoples do. They honour all the gods. And um, I was going to have the page ready so I could read out all the names of the gods for you, but I don't. So uh, oh, I have it right here. There's Aldor, Balar, Chaldon. Isa, Nedra, Mera. That's it. Very good. Um, Torak. Oh, right. Right, Torak. Torak the dragon. I need to turn the page. Angerak. And, yeah, there's, like, a reaction from the Mergo and the, mm-hmm. um, what are they called? The souls. The the they, um, oh, I can't find it. But they, yeah. they give them, like, a salute of some sort. Yeah, it's all, that's what it seems like, doesn't it? Like the, 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 all of the farmhands that are dressed up in the pageant gear come through 
and that's mm-hmm. fine. And then Torek comes in last and he has a metal mask on where the others have a painted wooden mask. And Dernick's, you know, voice is, comes from behind the mask. I am the dra- Torek, dragon god of the Angorax, and I command this world to be. And the way it's written is the Murgo has his face hidden behind his hands, but it's some sort of like a ceremonial gesture. And the Thulls just look friggin' terrified and they're all pale and pasty and shivering. And so that, that's quite telling about what kind of God this, this dude is, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to see the different reactions. And it's a really brief ceremony and they just kind of walk in, say their thing and, yeah. and leave. I like the simplicity of it, though. It's really mm-hmm. kind of beautiful. Yeah, it, it is. It, it's nice to have that simple, but, you know, it's powerful to the people who are in the room. Mm. Um, and, and, the, and then there was a moment between the Murgo and Aunt right. Paul at right. during the dinner, because Faldor draws attention to... Aunt Paul, because the Murgo says, oh, this is, you know, really nice food. And Faldor says, you know, oh, Mistress Paul, it's a compliment for you. And then the Murgo and Aunt Paul have this kind of, like, intense thing going on, like eyeball, eyeball challenge. Like, yeah, yeah. Who's going to blink first? Yeah, and she wins out, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, so I'm looking away. So that says a lot about her. Can you imagine Aunt Paul not winning a staring contest, like, at this point in the story? No, <laughs> she she doesn't falter easily. That's for sure. Oh God, no! And yeah, and the, there's just like the short conversation with the Murgo. I think with Faldor, right? Yeah, and like it's not very like it's not at any. I don't, yeah, I just feel like it's kind of there. Oh, there's a little conversation for us. Murgo and the 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 son-in-law, Eelbrig. So Faldor's son-in-law, the horrible snobby. Prig that's there and has decided that the Murgo is the only person at the dinner worth talking to because the rest are farmers and far, far, far beneath him, blah, 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 blah. And so mm-hmm. he's like being all snooty to the Murgo and saying, you know, oh, you should, I've often thought of visiting the East and Cthul Murgos and, you know, don't you think that that would solve all of our problems, brother merchant and blah, made me want to. <laughs> Yeah. The Murgo doesn't think that that's a very good idea. No. He's pretty much just really short with anybody who talks to him. And, you know, and then they kind of wrap up that that whole feast with the ceremony that they do. And Mm -hmm. um, we get right into basically kind of Garion's puberty moments again and and the chapter with him bribing Zubret and... Oh, yeah, that's what right. And I know what we skipped over. What? The, de- the, the, the day after Garion asked Art Pole about the mark on his palm, all of a sudden Art Pole had him working on all the dirty chores so nobody could see it anymore. Yeah. You know, I didn't pick up on so that nobody would see it, though. That makes sense. I maybe, just thought... maybe so that he wouldn't see it anymore. Yeah, because he does really emphasize the fact that I'm always dirty. And I thought she was just trying to make his life miserable because she gets joy out of it or something. Um, but yeah, it makes sense that maybe she's trying to hide the mark from him by well, always maybe having... I'm reading too much into it. I do do that. No, I mean, it could be a thing. 
don't know. I guess we'll never know. It's for us to interpret. And so it ends with um, him being caught kissing Zibret. Oh, no, no, I've got something in my eye, she says. Gary is helping me get it out. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Oh, that made me laugh so much the first time I read it. It still makes me chuckle. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's exactly what that would look like. Yes. Um, Yes. No. No, more like... I'm choking on something and he's trying to pull it out with his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember reading that the first time and then thinking, how does that work? How does it yeah. get out of my eye? <laughs> it does. <laughs> Back when I was like 18 or something. I was, uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stories for other times, dear listener. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, that's really, yeah. I mean, everything in that chapter was, Yep, it was. There were a few really good Easter eggs, uh-huh. and otherwise, it was just kind of like this filler chapter of letting us see Gary and grow. Yep, uh, and you know, kind of go through life a bit. Yeah, there so, are a couple of really the important things I think that will be important later. Right. The magic of this chapter, though, what was it that stood out for you? Well, I really like the window um, in Garion's mind that opens me, touches with white streak and up false hair. I've always really liked that. It's just something about a connection mm-hmm. um, that I really love. So, yeah, I, I liked that too. And I was going to pick that, but I saw you put it in there. So, I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. Like, is it? Does it have to do with the connection between them as well? Or is it really just like this magical kind of force between the marks on them that's causing it? Yeah. So is it like a spontaneous thing or is it an on-purpose thing? Or is it like, yeah, there's more to be explored. I want to know more. Yeah, exactly. Well, I um, do know more, but you want to know more. And so I'm yeah. pretending. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> you know everything. I, I know everything. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah for me the magic that stood out in this chapter was again they emphasized the the shadowless writer he has no shadow in the direct sunlight mm. so i mean this isn't the first time i've seen this in fiction but it always intrigues me because it's like well what is it exactly and it's never really been explained in anything i've read before like why don't they have a shadow mm. what is the magic that causes this and i'm I'm hoping because they're emphasizing it so much that maybe we'll find out later <laughs> because I really like to find out cool. somebody's perspective. And it just occurs to me, it's not just the magic around that. I think it's not just the fact that it's a shadowless rider, mm-hmm. but it's the way that Garion is sort of talks himself out of telling Art Paul about it when he knows that Art Paul could take care of it. There's something about it that is too personal for him to talk about. So it's like, like got this silence put on him where he can't tell anyone that this this figure was there. Right. Yeah, I think it's it's probably I'm guessing like part of him. It's like he's seeing part of him in that darkness in some way, maybe. Maybe. So there's a this. <laughs> I mean, that makes me wonder. You know, is it in his head? Is he imagining it? There's no shadow. He doesn't want to talk about it. There's this other voice in his head that keeps talking to him. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I guess I'll find out as I read on. But I... And he was drowning at the mm-hmm. time. Right. 
like a near-death experience but then the first time he saw that writer he wasn't near-death experience in any way so it's no but he was in shock because his friend had fallen out of the tree true i guess it could be tied to like if he's going through something traumatic and this thing shows up to him or maybe i'm just tricking you (laughs) we'll find out we'll find out anyway so so personal insights my darling what i resonated with a lot in this chapter especially given my last week is that I felt a lot of Garyan's like trying as he's growing up, he's kind of trying to, you know, almost rebel in, in small little ways by, you know, you know, trying to kiss the girl when nobody's looking and, and then just trying to seem to like break free from everything that's going on uh, around him. Like he wants to, he's, he's ready to explore, you know, like beyond the farm. He's trying yeah. to like explore beyond the farm, break free, figure out who he really is. And I just relate to that because it's kind of where I've been at for the last year of my life. And I'm finally getting to the point where I'm fully coming into everything. You're ready to leave the farm. Yeah. So I just, I really related to that aspect. Okay, cool. I, I connected really with the way the there is so much sort of below the surface stuff in this chapter, like just below the surface stuff, literally and figuratively, like metaphorically in the story, but like Gary and beneath the surface of the water as well, like my world, things just aren't what they seem on the surface. And I'm now only just now realizing that that's the way it's been for a while. And so while it's news to me, it's not news to other people. And so I feel like there's this kind of, um, breaking through the surface to find out what's actually there going on in my life at the moment and so there's the you know this connection between our pole and the mergo where there's something going on behind their eyes and i don't know what it was and so that kind of feels like what my week has been trying to work out what's going on behind someone else's eyes and knowing that i'll never know but kind of you know locking you know metaphorical eyes with Someone and not wanting to blink that that I really connected with that this week. <laughs> yeah, I get that for sure. It makes sense. Well, why don't you you have your book and you can do the, your prophecy, yeah. see what comes up for you with, with uh, all of that. God and I just I have something so the the person that I've been talking about actually gave me this book that I'm going to do the prophecy from so fuck me if that's not appropriate I don't know what is wow yeah as a gift because we were so close anyway that's how angry I am right now I don't know what I'm asking. I'm holding the book in my hands. It's Journey to the Dark Goddess, How to Return to Your Soul Again. <laughs> what do I need? I was outside in the dark, alone on a moor. that seemed to stretch in all directions, darkly and unevenly and uneventfully. 
I was wandering around lost and not even knowing what I was looking for. After a long while, I saw a small light in the distance moving towards me. I waited and as it came closer, I could see there were three women huddled together, the centre one bent over by age and holding a lantern. I'll read the rest. The, woman, the women on either side of her were younger and she leaned on their arms. They were supporting her. I saw them as priestesses, acolytes, the triple goddess. Oh, okay. 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 <laughs> um, I, I picked up on some stuff, but I don't, I'll let you. Okay, so I'm a bit lost in this particular dilemma. And sometimes I know it's time to let go of a season of life and move into the next. And the triple goddess is a representation of all the different seasons of feminine life, maiden, mother, and friend. That's all about the flow of that energy and allowing it each, each one to support the next. And so this actually speaks to me quite strongly, especially considering that this person and I have done a bit of goddess work together. And so there's a lot of um, meaning in that little prophecy. And I, I only realised that she gave me that book and then I picked it up and the card dropped out. Wow. <laughs> I just remembered. So there you go. So that's kind of significant on a number of different levels. What is it? Is there something that popped out for you? I'd be interested to know. Yeah, there, I can't. the line's already gone from my head, but there was a line you read at the very beginning of it that it reminded me of this person or you're explaining of like what she's approaching you with but it was like more of where she, it's on where she's coming from about, I wish I could remember what it was, but. Um, oh, I'll close the page. Something about a light coming towards me and an old woman with the two younger women in her arm. I was wandering around lost on a moor. That's, that's, that was the part, the lost wandering around. That popped out to me is almost kind of like where she's coming from. Like she's in that place mm. right now. Yeah. Ah, oh, okay, so that's kind of flipped. That's an interesting perspective, thank you. Right, like I was telling you before, like it's more, I think, on her than on you. Yeah. And I think that's reflective of that. See, I did it instinctively, didn't I? Like, see what I did? Like, mm -hmm. blaming yourself and yeah, you're not to blame. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you. I'm very glad that you gave me your perspective. So, you do yeah. you, baby. Okay, my book, I got... This is a great book, Life's Golden Ticket by Brendan Burchard. He's actually like a really big thought leader, but he's so spiritual and intuitive that I'm just drawn to him. And this book is actually a fiction book that he wrote, which is great. Oh, okay. Um, so let's see. Me, my intention. Um, I guess just really embracing like this existence of discovering the actual me and not the me and of this body, but the me as the energy that chose to come here and like explore this journey. Um, being able to embrace that at a deep level is kind of what I'm looking for right now. Okay. Let's see here. Pushing back the curtain. I saw a woman wrapped in a tattered purple robe sitting behind a small table 
Her face was leathery with age. Her gray hair was wrapped in a faded red bandana and silver hoop earrings hung from her ears. On the center of the table in front of her sat a crystal ball. A haze of incense smoke lingered above us. That's it. Um, oh, that's lovely. Yeah, that's a nice imagery right there. Mm -hmm. But like what was coming into my head as I was reading it was just, you know, this image of an older woman and kind of seeing myself as this older woman and in a place of like wisdom, embracing the fact that everything I thought to be true, like almost like looking through this crystal ball at this older age, being able to see the truth of everything. Whereas everything I thought to be true growing up is actually becoming very false for me, what I believed, which is a good thing because it's like, this is you growing. Yeah, it's everything that I thought was true is so constricting. And now I'm realizing that no, I actually have all this power. Mm -hmm. And it's time to start using it and believing in it. And I think that just this vision of like a woman in the crystal ball is, I just see myself like yeah. head kind of like coming down to me now and saying, Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> you got it. Just keep going. Very nice. I like that a lot. Okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, I see you chose a hashtag. I did. We haven't done that yet. Yep, cool. I like it. So, okay. what is your bum, 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 prediction for the next chapter? Oh, this one's kind of hard because last time I was completely off what I thought was going to happen. Now, hang on, let me see. what did you think last time? Last, let me, I will revisit the prediction. Okay. Okay, so last week you said that your prediction for the next chapter, Gary will face the Mergo who will come looking for trouble at the farm. And it will lead to something, the start of an adventure, maybe. Now, I don't think that's too far off. It wasn't the same Mergo, but it was a Mergo. <laughs> that's true. And he specifically asked for, because he said at the feast, I was led to believe there was an old man and a boy called Drew or Rundrig. I at the And, and Thaldor said, well, I'm the oldest here and my beard is far from white. So you were kind of right. I'll give you that one. Yeah. I honestly, I forgot that part of the this chapter where he brings them up. Um, so, yeah, I guess so. There you go. Uh, give it another go. What's happening? Okay. Um, the next chapter I feel is going to um, maybe involve, again, figuring him, figuring out more about this thing on his hand. And it kind of triggering him to explore more I don't know how he'll find try to find answers but I think he's going to try looking for some answers too okay well we better put that in the spreadsheet yeah. so that I can read it out next week because this is a whole new thing me revisiting your prediction yeah I think that's a good thing so I'll let you put that in. yeah I'll do it I really like the hashtag that you have put down here because I forgot again. But 
it doesn't have to be a big thing. It just has to be something that speaks to one of us. So hashtag, I have something in my eye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's mine. Uh, That's yeah. great. I love it. So darling listener, thank you for tuning in. Head over to social media and hit us up with the hashtag, I have something in my eye for chapter four. Um, this episode and let us know if you're reading along especially let us know if you do a prophecy for yourself and what book you used and you know how you find that whole experience because that really is the thing that that's our favorite part of the episode really so we'd love to know if you do that and um and apart from that i'll put everything in the show notes so you can click on stuff and connect with us and if you want to know more about the other things that I do, you can look at goddesskindle.com. Yeah, I agree. The Prophecy Speaks is becoming my favorite segment as well. Um, and yeah, we want to hear from you guys as you participate because it is. It's something magical that we want to hear about. And if you want to reach out to me, you can at uh, on Instagram. Um, that'll be in the show notes. And then aliciaseymour.com is basically where everything is so you can find me there excellent well until next time we'll see you guys enjoy your reading i know i'm going to (laughs) i see you for chapter five next week okay bye bye